0: Samson is judge over Israel after defeating a thousand Philistines. Yet old lusts remain as he sets his eyes on a new Philistine woman. On The Bible Brief. Special shout out to our new donors. Thank you for donating to the Bible Literacy Foundation. We can't wait to bring you more content like this and help you learn the Bible in a whole new way. From Genesis, chapter 3. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Our senses can dull our hearts to obedience. Back in the garden, Eve wasn't unfamiliar with God's prohibition. She knew she wasn't supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She even confirmed to the serpent that she knew the rule when she was speaking to him. And yet, even in the midst of God's clear command, Eve saw. She saw what she thought was good. She saw what she thought was beautiful. And she saw what she thought would make her wise. But her senses betrayed her obedience. She knew what she ought to have done, but she took the fruit and ate. Samson may be living thousands of years after Eve, but we can see the same principle playing out in Samson's life. What he sees betrays his obedience. He knew the commands surrounding his Nazarite vow. He knew that he shouldn't drink alcohol, that he shouldn't touch dead bodies, and that he shouldn't cut his hair. And yet Samson does what he wants, He wants to celebrate his marriage? He does it with a drinking party. He wants to enjoy some honey on the road? He gets honey out of a lion carcass. And thus far in the story, we're continually clued into something about Samson's senses. He sees a woman and desires her, even a forbidden woman, a Philistine woman, forbidden like that ancient fruit. The law of Moses had made it clear The Israelites were not to marry the people dwelling in the land of Canaan. Yet Samson saw that it was good. He saw the woman's beauty and thought it would satisfy him. Samson's senses betray him. In some ways, we can see Samson as a microcosm of Israel in this time period. They saw the daughters of the Canaanites and married them. They saw the gods of the Canaanites and worshipped them. It is a nation of disobedience where everyone sees around them, and instead of obedience, each person just simply does what's right in his own eyes. But despite this generation falling away from God in rebellious ways, he's still working to fulfill his promises, just as he has been working since the Garden. Now when we left Samson, he had burned the crops of the Philistines, they had killed his Philistine wife, and he had turned around and killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. God had used Samson to begin subduing the Philistines. And after this, we find out that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. Apparently, the people of Israel recognized God's use of Samson as their deliverer and put him in a leadership position. But near the conclusion of these 20 years, Samson's story continues with a familiar pattern. He goes to a Philistine city, and he sees a woman that he wants. But this time around, she's a prostitute, so he can just apparently pay some money to get what he wants from her. And this short account at the beginning of chapter 16 concludes with him escaping the city of the prostitute, escaping from men waiting to ambush him by tearing the gate off the city and carrying it many miles away. But it's the third Philistine woman that becomes Samson's fatal attraction. We read this, beginning in verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Delilah, an apparent Philistine beauty, has Samson struck, and the Philistines know it. It's using Delilah that they launch a plot to finally defeat this Israelite strongman, and they'll pay Delilah well for her utility. They offer her 5,500 pieces of silver to seduce Samson and find out the secret to his great strength one of the larger monetary sums in the Bible so far. You can tell that they're serious about Samson's downfall. And Samson, for his part, foolishly plays along. In response to Delilah's question on how he might be bound, Samson says this, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. You can almost see the arrogance and playfulness of Samson. Instead of proceeding cautiously, he's acting as though he's undefeatable, and he's just toying with his life as if it's a silly game. He's in Philistine territory, a group of people from which he has killed a thousand men. And in that context, this woman is asking him how he can be bound. It doesn't take a genius to see what's going on. But Samson's games continue. Then Delilah said to Samson, "'Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies.' please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. In the second round of this game, Samson plays the same way with Delilah. And if he was possibly ignorant of her intentions the first time, he absolutely knew them this time. They had already attempted to bind him before based on his answer to Delilah, and he knew that they'd use the second answer as well. But despite all this, he plays along, and they fail yet again. But rather than stop while he's ahead, he continues to play the game. And it's after a third round of embarrassment that Delilah's pleas hit a fever pitch she finally appeals to Samson's love. We read this in verse 15. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, before we move on, we should ask Is this true? Is Samson's strength really in his long hair, the hair that's never been cut because of his Nazarite vow? Is that how this all works? Let's keep reading. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Notice here the apparent connection between Samson's hair and God's presence with him. Samson had already violated two of the three major stipulations of his Nazarite vow. He had contact with dead bodies and he had had alcohol. But here with this haircut, he has violated the final major stipulation. Through suggesting the means of his defeat to Delilah, he had completed his full disobedience to his Nazarite vow. And it was apparently that that caused the Lord to leave him. It wasn't the hair that was his strength. It was the presence of God. And with his strength gone, his life gets much worse. We read that the Philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him to Gaza, and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again, after it had been shaved. Samson's sight has been taken away by the Philistines. The source of his lusts, the desire for all the women in his life, has been removed. And he's consigned to a time of slavery, grinding out flour for his enemies. Yet the story doesn't end here. And we know that because of the final comment. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Maybe Samson can make a comeback after all. The next scene in the Samson story is at a big Philistine party. A party where they're celebrating their god Dagon, the father of Baal according to their mythology. And why are they celebrating? Well, let's find out. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw Samson, they praised their god. For they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who had held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about three thousand men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Samson has gone from strong man of Israel to the chained court jester. He's blind, weak, and unable to free himself from his bondage. His lusts have defeated him. His pride and games have beaten him. And God's strength is no longer with him. But Yahweh has a final use for Samson. God had been using him for his life to subdue the Philistine threat. And with one final act, he would do it. Then Samson called out to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed in his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel twenty years. The life of Samson can be a bit of a riddle for Bible readers. Is there something to emulate here? Is there anything in his life where we should try to be like Samson? From the beginning and even to the very end, he's concerned with his own desires and his own vengeance. And God uses him despite all his rebellion and disobedience. Perhaps one lesson we can take is that God can use anyone, absolutely anyone, to accomplish his purposes and to uphold his promises. But perhaps a second lesson is this. Our senses can make us senseless. We can see a forbidden fruit and think it's good for us. We can see a forbidden woman and want her for ourselves. We can see the forbidden honey dripping and reach for a taste. And in all this, we can cast off restraint to satisfy our lust of the eyes. And that, perhaps is the answer to the riddle that the Philistines told back to Samson twenty years prior in Timnah. They said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And through Samson's life we know the answer. What's sweeter than honey? What's stronger than a lion? The lust of the eyes and the love of a woman. Join us next time as we get to see some pictures of life in Israel during the time of the Judges. We're leaving the Judges' cycle to see what the people are doing in the midst of these volatile leaders. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023